0: Hello, everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls. We're back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are not giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't say it enough on the podcast. Jesus will be coming back for his bride. He has gone away to prepare a place for us. And if he go away and prepare a place for us, he shall come again. Amen. And so as we are preparing ourselves, as we are being ready for his return, we shall live lives of repentance. Amen. And we should live in holiness and in righteousness because of the command that our Lord told us to go and sin no more. And that's the bottom line. Amen. And so I want to rehash a very profound topic on this podcast, because a lot of people in the body of Christ are still unsure whether or not we have to keep the 613 laws of Moses. And I can understand it, why there is a lot of confusion, only because we have the apostate church that still have people keeping the Sabbath, tithing as according to the Old Testament, because tithing for the New Covenant, New Testament, believer in Christ Jesus, we are not nowhere in Scripture commanded to tithe. But we do give with a cheerful heart. And so when you have your local church who you have been attending for years? Have you tithe? And they come up with the twisting of Malachi three ten, and the book of Hebrews where it talks about Abraham giving a tithe to Melchizedek, and they wrap it up in godly sounding words that the money is going for missionaries uh missions orphans preaching the gospel around the world so it deceives us to think that the money is going for good and so like i said this issue on this podcast I don't mind repeating. I don't because at the same time, it constantly teaches me as well. And so that is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about should Christians keep the law of Moses? And what about the Ten Commandments? Okay, because aren't the Ten Commandments is what god is what god gave us gave who mankind to follow these rules are not the 10 commandments the golden rule so let's get into it today but before we get started let us pray father in the name of jesus christ we love you and we need you father we repent we repent of our sins father we want to hear from you teach us what is right teach us the way to go father father there are so many things in your word That is hard to understand. There is confusion because there are so many false brethren that are spreading lies. They are uneducated. And then on top of that, we have the wolf in sheep clothing who come up with clever lies to depart us from our money and... Sadly, Father, we are not studying your word like we're supposed to, to show ourselves approved. And so when we listen to what we think sounds like the gospel, what we what we think sounds like this is what you want us to do, we get deceived and we fall to the wayside. And by doing that, our faith gets shipwrecked. So, Father, with today's lesson, we're asking, can you please give us direction? Can you show us what does it mean if we have to keep the law of Moses? Or do we operate in faith through your son, Jesus, whom you sent to die for our sins and so father may today's lesson bring you glory may the holy spirit open my mind and let me see for myself what you have to say about whether or not we got to keep the law of moses and father i thank you so much for wisdom thank you And I ask for wisdom today. Show me the way, Father, so that I and countless others do not be misled. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as always, like the Holy Spirit told me the other day that at the start, at the top, of each podcast, lay out the bare facts about the gospel. Our Father in heaven sent the Lord Jesus Christ to this sin-sick, vile-laden of a world to die for the sins of many. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the God-man, willingly laid down his life as a pleasing sacrifice to appease the wrath of God, whose people sinned continuously. Jesus took the punishment that was rightly due to us because we racked up and stacked up God's wrath against us because we didn't know how to stop sinning. Amen. And Jesus shed blood on the cross. It was sprinkled on the mercy seat of God in heaven. And through his blood sacrifice, Jesus made atonement for our sins, reconciling us back to the father. And through his shed blood, we can have forgiveness of our sins when we repent amen the gospel of the lord jesus christ jesus died on the cross and then he was buried according to the scriptures and then on the third day by the power of the holy spirit he was he was resurrected from the grave hallelujah And through his death, burial and resurrection, Jesus has set us free from the control and power that sin had over our lives. Amen. Jesus defeated death by his resurrection. Jesus is alive today. March 21st, 2021 sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, making intercessories for us. Amen. And from that highly exalted position, Jesus is waiting to make his enemies his footstool at his coming. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's just jump right on in into today's lesson. In my research, because I have a ton of notes, okay, a ton of notes about whether or not we got to keep the law, because I like to get different perspectives. I like to keep my mind afresh as I study the scriptures And so, with that being said, I came across this wonderful article that deals with this topic in length. And so, I wanted to share it with you all today. Hold on a second. Let me get my other notes. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Hold on. Here we go. Okay. Like I said... Massive notes on whether or not we got to keep the law because the body of Christ is divided. It is divided. You got Torah keepers, those who want to be legalistic and hold on to the commandments. They, they want to hold on to Sabbath keeping. They feel on one hand, You can kind of understand why they say this, what I'm about to tell you. But on the other hand, we have what Jesus did for us. Amen. They believe that if we do not keep the Ten Commandments, then we will use the grace of God as a license to sin. Well, That could be true for some folks because it is true. People do take God's grace as a license to sin, especially when they are sitting up under an apostate church that preaches hyper grace, that preaches eternal security, once saved Always saved that just because you believe that Jesus died on the cross, you have this mental assent about what happened at the cross, but you are not living a crucified life. Amen. You just believe that He died, but is it showing up in your life that you have truly repented? Or Are you using 1 John 1, 9 and tuck it away in your back pocket as your get out of jail free card? Because all you got to say is, well, I confess my sins and then you want God to forgive you. But then next week you back off in your sin. And so the Torah keepers will love to herald see See, we told y'all, if you don't keep the Ten Commandments, you're going to go off into sin and use God's grace as a license to do it. On the other hand, we know from Scripture that the law, okay, does not justify anybody. So you can try to keep all Ten Commandments if you want to. That is not going to put you any closer to the Father. It will not put you any closer to you inheriting the kingdom of God. So what do we do? What do we do? So let's just understand what the purpose of the law was for. And we see in Galatians 3.24, where it says, So then... The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Amen. So we see what the purpose of the law was. It was a guardian. It was a school, a schoolmaster. It was, it was put in place First of all, to show us just how sinful man is and it heightened sin. And the reason why it heightened sin because you can't keep the law. So sin will have a field day in your life because what is sin? Breaking God's laws, his holy laws. So the more we break it, Oh, the more fun sin gets to have in your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. And so in place of the Old Testament law, Christians are to obey the law of Christ. We now follow the law of Christ and not the law of Moses. Christ nailed the whole law, all 613 to the cross when he died for our sins the gospel of Jesus Christ what I just uh exhorted at the top was that he died he was buried and after three days he rose out of the grave amen and look we have Romans 8 15 that says For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And we know that Galatians 3.10 clearly states that if you attempt to do any parts of the law, you must keep them all amen and then it says in galatians 5 4 that anyone attempting to be justified by the law is alienated from christ and you have fallen from grace amen and so let us hold on it's just so much that i know that i won't be able to cram into today's lesson. But I want us to understand what is the law of Christ because Christ freed us from the bondage of the hundreds of commands in the Old Testament law and instead calls on us to love because he tells us this, that we are to love God with all of our hearts mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And he says that on those two commandments, okay, on those two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Amen. So if we keep that, we fulfill, okay, we fulfill the whole law. Hold on a second. I want to hold on. Do I want to do do? I want to read Galatians because it's kind of long. Hold on. Let us just read. Come on, Galatians 3 5. No, nope. Galatians 3 verses 15 to 31. To put this all in perspective, okay? Now, because the question on the floor is, do we have to keep the laws of Moses? It says, Dear brothers, even in everyday life, a promise made by one man to another, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. If it is written down and signed, cannot be changed. He cannot decide afterwards to do something else instead. Verse 16, now God gave some promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that it doesn't say the promises were to his children, as it would if all his sons, all the Jews were being spoken of, but to his child, capital C. And that, of course, means Christ. Here's what I am trying to say. God's promise to save through faith, and God wrote this promise down and signed it, could not be canceled or changed 430 years later when God gave the Ten Commandments. Verse 18. If obeying those laws could save us, then it is obvious that this would be a different way of gaining God's favor than Abraham's way, for he simply accepted God's promise. Amen. Verse 19, well then, why were the laws given? They were added after the promise was given to show men how guilty they are of breaking God's laws. But this system of law was to last only until the coming of Christ, the child to whom God's promise was made. And there is this further difference. God gave his laws to angels to give to Moses. Who then gave them to the people, which we know to be the children of Israel. Amen. Verse 20 of Galatians 3. But when God gave his promise to Abraham, he did it by himself alone, without angels or Moses as go-betweens. Well then, are God's laws and God's promises against each other? Of course not. If we could be saved by his laws, then God would not have had to give. God would not have had to give us a different way to get out of the grip of sin. For the scriptures insist we are all its prisoners. The only way out is through faith in Jesus Christ. The way of escape is open to all who believe him. Amen. Verse 23, until Christ came, we were guarded by the law, kept in protective custody, so to speak, until we could believe in the coming Savior. Let me put it another way. The Jewish laws were our teacher and guide until Christ came to give us right standing with God through our faith. Verse 25, but now that Christ has come, we don't need those laws any longer to guard us and lead us to him. For now, we are all children of God through faith In Jesus Christ amen verse 27 and we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by him we are no longer Jews or Greeks or slaves or free men or even merely men or women but we are all the same we are Christians Amen. We are one in Christ Jesus. And now that we are Christ, Christ, we are the true descendants of Abraham. And all of God's promises to him belong to us. Amen. Verse 21. Listen to me, you friends, who think you have to obey the Jewish laws to be saved. Why don't you find out what those laws really mean? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. There was nothing unusual about the birth of the slave wife's baby, but the baby of the freeborn wife was born Only after God had especially promised he would come. Now, this true story is an illustration of God's two ways of helping people. One way was by giving them his laws to obey. He did this on Mount Sinai when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Mount Sinai, by the way, is called Mount Hagar by the Arabs. And in my illustration, Abraham's slave wife, Hagar, represents Jerusalem, the mother city of the Jews. The center of that system of trying to please God by trying to obey the commandments. And the Jews who try to follow that system are her slave children. Amen. Verse 26. But our mother city is the heavenly Jerusalem, and she is not a slave to Jewish laws. Amen. Come on now. Verse 27 that is what Isaiah meant when he prophesied. Now you can rejoice, O childless woman. You can shout with joy, though you never before had a child, for I am going to give you many children, more children than the slave wife has. You and I, dear brothers, are the children that God promised, just as Isaac was. Verse 29, and so we who are born of the Holy Spirit are persecuted now by those who want us to keep the Jewish laws. Like those Torah keepers, just as Isaac, the child of promise, was persecuted by Ishmael, the slave wife's son. Verse 30, but the scriptures say that God told Abraham to send away the slave wife and her son for the slave wife's son could not inherit Abraham's home and lands along with the free woman's son. Verse 31, dear brothers, we are not slave children. Obligated to the Jewish laws, but children of the free woman, acceptable to God because of our faith. Amen. Look, all we got to do, people, is simply read the scriptures in its full context to see that we don't have to keep any parts of the law because of faith in Christ Jesus' fulfillment of them on our behalf. Amen. So I could end this lesson today at Galatians 3, 15, 31, because in Paul's analogy of Abraham, two wives, he had, no, actually, Hagar wasn't his wife. Hagar was uh, his wife, Sarah's uh, slave, okay, handmaiden when god gave the promise to abraham and sarah that they will have a child and it took so long i think about 25 years and abraham and sarah well actually sarah came up with the idea that since she couldn't have a child that abraham would sleep with hagar her egyptian maid slave Okay, and therefore he can have his son. And that's what Abraham did. He instead of waiting in faith, okay, for the promised child, he slept with Hagar and they had Ishmael, but she was a slave. And so in Paul's um allegory, right, that we are slaves to the law. Whereas the child of promise, which was Isaac, and when Isaac came on the scene, glory be to God, as a pictorial of Jesus coming onto the scene, the law was put in place, pointing the way to Jesus. When Jesus now come on the scene, his law is of love and not a written code that if you don't follow it, you will surely die. Amen. And so in that, in that scenario that Paul paints that once the child of promise came on the scene by faith, it is through faith that we are now justified. Amen. And so getting to the article today that I want to read, so I have set all of that, set that whole premise up, so that we can get to the article where it says, when Jesus was on earth, okay, He kept the laws of Moses, amen, because we know that Jesus was the only perfect man that walked on this earth, right, amen. So, the fact that he kept all the laws of Moses, but he also criticized them. Yep, soon after he went back to heaven, his followers met to decide whether or not Christians should keep the laws of Moses. And don't you know, we still have this same fight, debate, if you will, whether or not we got to keep them. Now... What I didn't know in times past was that if I read the scriptures for myself, I would have known that we do not have to keep the law of Moses, all 613, which includes the Ten Commandments. So, getting back to the article, the question came to the foreground. When people who weren't Jewish... Jewish, began to follow Christ. And we see in Acts fifteen five, some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. And what were these laws? Were they biblical laws? Or the, unbi- or the unbiblical traditions of the elders, because not only were there 613 laws of Moses that God gave to him, and guess what the Pharisees and the elders and the scribes did? They heaped upon the people. I think I, I heard somewhere like an additional 500 man-made traditions Okay, because if trying to keep the law was hard enough, here the Pharisees go goes with their extra man-made traditions to heap upon the people. Amen. And so were there biblical laws or the unbiblical traditions of the elders that the Pharisees wanted the Gentiles to now keep? In every other New Testament, in every other New Testament mention of the laws of Moses, okay, the biblical books of Moses are met because we see in Luke, what is this, Luke 2.22, it says that when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, talking about Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the uh, what is this? Present him to the Lord. Amen. So there were a lot of laws. And so the question on the floor then was, okay, out of all the laws, which of them must the Gentiles keep? Because even though you have the apostles preaching the freedom we now have in Christ. Okay, because we're talking about after Christ went to the cross, he died, and he ascended back up to heaven. Okay, so now we have the first century church that we're talking about, who is still fresh off the heels of the resurrection as well as keeping the law. So, in between us being freed, okay. And you have the Jewish sect still keeping the laws of Moses, still keeping to circumcision. They wanted to know, well, I guess if you ask my opinion, they wanted to know, well, why we still got to keep the law when the Gentiles, from our perspective, is getting a free ride? Let's continue. So... The article goes on to say, well, Luke could have said traditions, but he did not. Anyone who knew the teachings of Jesus would already know that unbiblical traditions were not required. They did not need to debate about Jewish traditions. Just as circumcision was biblical, so also were the laws of Moses. The claim was that non-Jewish believers should be circumcised. And then as part of the covenant people of God, they should then obey the laws of the covenant. The The law of Moses said that men were to be circumcised. So from the article, we are seeing that there was a lot of hubbub going on, okay? Like I said, you got the Jews that had been circumcised. They were in, uh, how can I say, they were in a snit about why not or why are not the Gentiles who, okay, now come into Christ, who now um, um, that God will also justify them, well, then how come they don't got to keep the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the burden of the law? Okay, so that's the backdrop. Okay, so the article goes on to say, Today we might explain, as Paul did, that Jesus instituted a new covenant and that the Jewish believers were God's people, not because they were Jewish, okay, because that was another factor going on, that Jews, uh, Jewish people thought that they were so special, okay, just because God had singled them out, and they were in pride about that. Amen. And so... The article says that, so today we might explain as Paul did, that Jesus instituted a new covenant and that the Jewish believers were God's people, not because they were Jewish, but because they were believers. Membership in the new covenant is by faith, not by ancestry, but the but the Jerusalem Council did not approach the question from this perspective. Let's see how they did it. Okay, so the apostles speak. According to Acts fifteen six, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. And what was the question? The question was, like it is today, do... The new Gentiles in Christ have to keep the law because the apostles met with them to try to hash out, do they? Whether or not do they? And so, thank you, Holy Spirit, you right. That question was answered back over here in Acts fifteen six. So why is it still being asked today? my question exactly so getting back to the article it says perhaps dozens of elders were involved After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. And that's in verse 7 of Acts 15. Amen. And so Peter reminded the people, that God had used him to preach the gospel to Cornelius and his family. And we can see that in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was not circumcised, but Peter did not use that as proof. Rather, he focused on the foundations of how a person is saved which is by believing and not keeping the 613 laws of Moses. It is by believing. Amen. And look in verses eight through nine of Acts. What is that? Acts 15. God knows the heart showed that no God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. This is Peter talking to his Jewish brothers at this big powwow over there in Jerusalem about whether or not the new believers in Christ have to keep the laws of Moses. Okay. So Peter is saying, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them, that's the Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Amen. So the article goes on to say, God gave the Holy Spirit to this uncircumcised family, talking about Cornelius, okay, purifying their hearts, calling them holy as acceptable to him because of their faith. Amen. Peter then began to scold the people who wanted the Gentiles to obey the law of Moses. And so in verse 10, Uh, In verses 10 to 11 of Acts 15, Peter says, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Amen. And so it looks like Peter was giving them the business, telling them, wait a minute, hold up. Y'all can't even keep the 613 laws of Moses plus the extra. How are you going to now say that the Gentiles got to keep it when you and your father's Couldn't even keep it because if that was the case, right, people, because we know from scripture, if the law could justify anyone, then Christ died that horrific death for nothing. Amen. Getting back to the article, Peter's point is that the yoke of Moses was a burden that the Jewish people were not able to keep successfully. Those rituals showed that no matter that no matter how hard people worked, they could never be perfect. They showed for anyone who ever wondered that Works can never lead to salvation. Amen. Salvation is attained in a different way. By grace. Amen. We can't earn it, so it has to be given to us. Since the law of Moses cannot bring us salvation, there is no need to require the Gentiles to keep it. God gave them the Holy spirit and showed that he accepts them without all of those rituals. They are saved by grace and the Jews are too. Amen. And so the article goes on to say, if we follow Peter's logic, we will see that Jewish believers do not have to keep the laws of Moses. They don't have to keep it either. Why? Because Christ died for all of us. Whether you are a Jew, whether you are a Gentile, whether you are free or slave, whatever, for all of us. All of us, what Christ did for us at the cross is made available to us all. Amen. So getting back to the article, right? The old covenant is obsolete. So it's laws, all 613 of them, plus all those extras, thanks to the Pharisees, okay? It says that, so its laws are no longer required for anyone, anyone, Jews or Gentiles. Amen. And that, and that is why Peter could live like a Gentile because (laughs) as a side note, okay, because look, Galatians 2.14, hold on, come on, load up for me. It says, when I saw, because this is, um, the Apostle Paul was actually calling Peter out. Listen, it is scriptural for us to call out a brother or sister in Christ who is being a hypocrite because we see Paul over here in Galatians 2.14 doing just that to Peter. Look. It says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Amen. Because look. Okay, as much as we may love Peter and his boldness for for the Lord, apparently he was being a little bit of a hypocrite. Okay, because he know the gospel. Okay, he know that we are free in Christ, but then when he get around his Jewish, uh, buddies. Okay, now he's acting like a Jew saying that, yeah, the Gentiles, yeah, they got to keep the law. But then when he's with the Gentiles, he's acting just like a free man. And so Paul was calling him out on it. Amen. So I'm telling you, the Bible gots drama too. Amen. So now look, getting back to the article, it says, but... Right, But that is getting ahead of the story. In Acts 15, the question is only whether Gentiles have to keep the law of Moses. So, the judgment of James. After Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles, and we see that in Acts 15, 12, James spoke as leader of the Jerusalem church, he had a lot of influence, okay? Some of his Jewish, um, I guess, counterparts even claimed him as their authority. But Luke tells us that James was in complete agreement with Peter and Paul. So even though We have James, okay, who was a leader at the Jerusalem church. He agreed with Peter and Paul that the Gentiles in Christ do not have to keep the law of Moses. So he says, brothers, listen to me, Simon talking about Peter has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. And we see that in Acts 15, 13 to 14. The fact that God has already acted was powerful evidence. James then quoted from the Greek translation of Amos to show that scripture agreed with what was happening. Amen. And we see that in verses 15 to 18. He could have used other Old Testament prophecies too about Gentiles being included among God's people. Experience and scripture pointed to the same conclusion in verse 19 of Acts 15, where it says, It is my judgment. Therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Amen. And so the article goes on to say, There is no need to require the yoke of Moses, for that would make things unnecessarily difficult for the Gentile believers. James then suggested four rules okay because see, don't forget they having this big powwow down over there at the synagogue, at the synagogue in uh, Jerusalem about whether or not we got to keep those whether it be the Ten Commandments, the whole 613 laws of Moses. So they're all having this this powwow you got the uh, Jewish leaders and then you got the Apostles right? so in verse 20 okay james then come up with these four rules for the gentiles so as opposed to having to keep all the law all the laws of moses he came up with these four rules four rules he said instead we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. Amen. So instead of making things difficult for the Gentiles, these four these four rules would be enough. Believers should not lie, steal, and murder. That was obvious to them. Okay, as it is obvious to us. And that is what we... Let the Torah keep us know, listen, just because we over here in grace, we know not to take that as a license to sin. We know not to lie and steal and murder and any of the Ten Commandments. Amen. And so look, okay. the article goes on to say that that was obvious to them as it is to us today so that they did not need a special reminder about it the decree makes it clear that Gentiles do not have to be circumcised based on those four rules that uh, that James gave, right? Nor do they have to obey the law of Moses. Because see, today, we're digging in the backstory about whether or not we got to keep the law of Moses. So, Today's lesson may go on for two hours because we got to get an in-depth, exhaustive study on this. Yes, we can quote all the scriptures that clearly tells us we don't have to keep the law of Moses, okay? But sometimes we got to get the backstory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you know how I love a good backstory. Paint the picture for me. Be as long-winded as you can so that we can have a full meal. Because, yes, sometimes quick bites of the scripture is good enough. But, see, sometimes we just got to pull up to the Lord's table and have us a good feast on what his word actually means. Amen? Amen. Okay, so getting back to this wonderful insightful article okay it says that it says that they are spiritually circumcised talking about the Gentiles who no longer have to keep the law of Moses right the laws of Moses. Okay, that they are circumcised spiritually, not physically. God never gave those commands to the Gentiles. Amen. I can't say it enough on a podcast. Thank you for the confirmation, Father. Okay, we miss it big time because we think that the laws of Moses was given to the Gentiles. It was not. It was given to the children of Israel. We ain't got no business dealing with the laws of Moses anyway. Anyway, thanks, Holy Spirit. The only reason why this question even came up was because during the first century church, that question had to get answered. It had to get answered because we didn't, well, they didn't have the Bible then. They didn't have Paul's excitation in the book of Romans and the book of Galatians that how through Christ, we have been set free from even trying to keep the law, which we would have failed at it. And we would have been back up under God's curse. Amen. So. Can't we see why today's lesson from the Holy Spirit is so imperative that we understand? Amen. God never gave those commands to the Gentiles. Amen. And so Moses is preached. Okay. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles. James was saying at that big powwow right? Instead, it will be enough to give them four rules, which they will find easy to comply with. Why give them these rules? Notice the reason that James gives. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues, on every sabbath and that's in verse 21 of acts 15 amen and so james was not encouraging gentile christians to attend the synagogues amen he was not saying that they should listen to the laws of moses because in the synagogues is where the laws of moses was being preached amen and so however. Because those laws were commonly preached at the synagogues, the apostles should tell the Gentiles those four rules. Those four rules, okay? Then they would not think that Christianity is more difficult than it is, amen? To summarize, okay, some men said that Gentiles should be circumcised because... Apparently, what the article is doing right now is summarizing what went down at the meeting in Jerusalem, whether or not Gentiles have to also, like the Jews, keep the uh, 613 laws of Moses. And Peter was letting them know, look, listen, no one got to keep it. Us, them, no one. We are now in Christ amen and so the article is summarizing that whole meeting by saying some men said that gentiles should be circumcised and obey the law and obey the laws of moses or else they could not be saved not so said the apostles gentiles are saved by grace and faith God is pleased to dwell in people who aren't circumcised and who don't keep the rituals, right? Right because in in the Bible it says that that God prefers obedience over sacrifice. Amen. And so the article goes on to say that in its summary about the meeting down here in Jerusalem. But since Moses is widely preached, we need to give a decree that clearly distinguishes the Christian faith from the law of Moses. Amen. And this pleased the entire church. So they wrote, so they wrote in a letter and sent it to Antioch, where they were glad for its encouraging message, and that's verse thirty-one, right? Because once once the um the outcome of the meeting came back to the church, and that well, it's only four rules that they got to keep as opposed to the six hundred and thirteen plus, okay? They were happy. And right, thank you, Holy Spirit, because I can't tell you how many times that I tried to explain to those who want to hang on to tithing, who want to hang on to the Sabbath, that why do you want to place yourself back up under bondage? Okay, I get it. You want to honor God with your money. You want to honor God and you're a worship, and you want to set aside a special day to do that, but you are in dangerous territory, my friends, okay, and some people say that, well, I'm not doing it to be saved, I'm just doing it out of honor, but why be up under the umbrella of death, Amen. Because as we continue with the article, we are going to see that being up under the law, even if you got your toenail over in it, you are on dangerous ground, my friends. Amen. And so the question on the floor as put in the article, but what about the Ten Commandments? That is... The number one question people want to know. Okay, fine. We don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to go to the temple. We know, fine, there is no high priest, that Jesus is the high priest. But surely, we got to keep the Ten Commandments, don't we? Of course we do, they say. Let's continue. So now... What about those Ten Commandments? Well, since the law of Moses includes all the laws that Moses gave ancient Israel. Okay, key words there, Moses gave ancient Israel. It includes the Ten Commandments. But shouldn't Christians keep the Ten Commandments? Several of the 10 are quoted in the New Testament, but the only time that the 10 are mentioned as a group, okay, all 10 of them as a group, is in Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. Let's see what he wrote. And 2 Corinthians 3 verses 3 to 6 says, you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life amen now what paul is talking about the letter of the law that means any parts of that law okay it kills you want to know why it kills because you can't keep them all listen Even as something as sincere that you think that you want to honor God by keeping the Sabbath, you have to keep it the way God instituted it to the children of Israel. That means that you have to sacrifice, I believe, is what two unblemished uh what sheep, okay, that they can't have anything wrong with them. You have to have what? This choice flower, okay. Um it, it gotta be a priest to do the sacrificing, and you gotta have the temple where the sacrificing is going to take place at. You can't keep it. That's why Paul says that the letter kills, because the penalty for not keeping the law as innocent as you want to try to honor the God, um, to honor God with. It will kill you. Look, listen, like I said, we ain't got no business over there dealing with the law. It was not given to us. Turn your eyes from those tablets of stone and turn it to Jesus. Jesus nailed the law of Moses to the cross. Stop, right, Holy Spirit? Stop trying to peel it back off the cross because you can't do it. You can't because if Israel couldn't keep it, what well, makes you think that you can and you cannot and you can't dissect it and try to keep it the way that you believe the, the, the 21st century believer in Christ got to keep it. That means that, well, well, we can't animal sacrifice, so we don't have to keep that part. Well, There is no temple, so we don't have to keep that part. I just make sure that I don't work, I don't do any dishes, I don't go to the laundry, I don't do anything but just read my Bible all day. Well, guess what, precious? That is not keeping the Sabbath. Exactly. So get off of that. Just worship the Lord every day. Don't set aside a day like God told the children of Israel to do. Amen. Because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And we saw in the gospel that how Jesus would heal someone on the Sabbath because he was telling them, look, listen, okay, I'm about to give you all a new covenant. So everything that were, um, Uh, required of in the old testament under those laws okay i'm about to show you that in love all of that gets now wrapped up in love and that is why thank you holy spirit that the, uh, that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elders, and the scribes had a major problem with Jesus' teachings because they saw that he was starting to turn the tide where following those laws um, were concerned. Amen. And so the article goes on to say that Paul has mentioned tablets of stone. Okay, in that verse and then the new covenant, he then builds a contrast between the old covenant, the tablets of stone that contained the Ten Commandments and the new covenant, which is the basis of Christianity. So let's see how he develops the contrast. He says in verses 7 to 8 of, what is that, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory fading. Though it was, will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious. Amen. Cause you see, Paul is talking about something written on stone at At a time when Moses' face shone with glory, he is talking about the Ten Commandments. This is what was written on stone. Paul is calling the Ten Commandments a ministry that brought death. Paul was not a minister of the letter, talking about the Ten Commandments, but of the Spirit Of course, it was God who gave the law. Nevertheless, Paul saw a fundamental contrast between the law and the spirit, between the old and the new. Amen. There is continuity for both old and new are covenants of the same God. Amen. Let me say that again. For both old and new are covenants of the same God. But even though God does not change and his underlying principles do not change. Well, guess what? His covenants do change. Paul explains some differences in the next verses. Okay. In verse 9, he says, if the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Amen. The 10 commandments were a ministry that condemned people. They had they had some glory, but not nearly as much as the new covenant Amen. The Ten Commandments cannot bring righteousness, but the New Commandment does. So, as heartfelt and sincere, one may want to keep the Ten Commandments. Okay. Paul is telling us that that ministry, it condemns men. Amen. And so, he says in verse 10, Of what is that? Second Corinthians. Hold on, let me get back up to the scripture. Yeah, Second Corinthians chapter three. Now we down here in verse ten, where Paul says, "For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with their surpassing glory." Amen. Listen, the Ten Commandments have no glory now. Paul is saying. In comparison to the new covenant, which brings life and righteousness. Amen. And look, it says, and if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Amen. So what was fading away? Moses' face was fading, but Paul is not talking about Moses' face anymore. He is talking about the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone. Amen. That is what came with glory up there in verse 7, right? That is what was fading away. Listen, the Ten Commandments paul is saying right came with glory but that they are fading away just as surely as the glory of moses face also faded the new covenant not only has much greater glory but it also lasts amen the 10 Commandments. Paul implies does not last forever they were designed as a temporary ministry of condemnation designed to lead people to Christ amen and that was the purpose of the laws of Moses it was temporary Pointing the way to Jesus. Now, once Jesus came on the scene, we go from the old covenant to the new covenant that is drenched in his blood, that is wrapped around in love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. And so let us look at the contrast that Paul was making between the new, I mean, uh, between the 10 commandments and the new covenant okay we see verse 4 because we we still looking at let's call back up here to the scripture what was it second corinthians chapter 3 hold on yeah i believe it was chapter 3 yeah second corinthians chapter 3 so now We're about to look at the contrast between the two because this is what is needed. We need to know what it was about the Ten Commandments versus, if you will, the New Covenant. Okay, so in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 3, okay, it talks about how the Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone. The new covenant, in contrast, says that it is written on the heart, Amen. That God's laws are now written on the hearts of those who believe in Christ, who died for their sins, who have repented of their sins, that have their that have their sins forgiven through the shed blood of Christ Jesus. That God's laws. Whole are now wrapped up in the law of Christ that if we follow those two commands that Christ gave us to love God with everything that's within us and to love our neighbors as ourselves it is wrapped around in love that means that we are not going to do anything that will displease the father and we would not do anything towards our neighbor that would harm them and jesus says that when we follow those two commands okay that all of the law and what the prophets had to say hang now on those two commandments amen and so we see in verse 6 about the 10 commandments that the letter that it is the letter that kills in the new testament we see that the spirit that gives life amen and then we see in verse 7 talking about the 10 commandments talking about the law of moses right that how the Ten Commandments were engraved in letters on stone, but under the New Covenant, we have the ministry of the Spirit. Amen. And then talking about the Ten Commandments with this contrast that, <clears throat> that it came with glory, right? In the, new, in the New Covenant, how much more glorious is it now? Amen. And then we see in verse 9 that the ministry, talking about the Ten Commandments, is the ministry that condemns. Under the new covenant, the ministry that brings righteousness. Amen. And in verse 10, we see no glory now in comparison. We're now up under Christ, the surpassing glory. Amen. And so, yes, the law is righteous and good and perfect. And we see, according to verse 11, that the Ten Commandments came with glory. How much more glory do we now have in Christ? Amen. And we know that the law is fading away. Verse 11, where the ministry over here in Christ, oh, it lasts forever. Amen. And so Paul says that the Ten Commandments, although good are temporary and fading, what has faded away concerning the Ten Commandments? okay what has faded away some people try to say that the ten commandments instead of fading are actually more binding on people today than ever before they want to expand the ten instead of letting them fade away amen but Paul is saying that There is a fundamental change in the way people relate to God. The old way is a written law that condemns people to death. Amen. The new way is the Holy Spirit, which brings forgiveness and life. The Spirit leads us to obey God, but it is a fundamentally different relationship, a different basis of relating to God. Amen. There is some basic continuity between the Old Covenant and the New. Most of the Ten Commandments are quoted with approval in the New Testament. Those commands reflect aspects of God's law that were in effect long before Sinai. From from the beginning, one is not, okay, the Sabbath command. It was a ceremonial law instituted for a temporary time period. Time period. Amen. And so... Paul's boldness in Christ. I love it. Once Paul understood the change, he was strengthened and encouraged. Because we see in verses 12 to 13, because we're still looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay. Paul, okay. Once he understood the change, he was strengthened and encouraged where he said, therefore since we have such a hope we are very bold we are not like moses who will put a veil over his face to keep the israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away amen listen paul did not hide he was bold in preaching the new way amen salvation through the crucified Christ and not trying to keep the letter of the law, which kill it. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But despite his boldness and the clarity of the message, many people did not accept the gospel, just like they are not accepting it today. Amen, because look in verses 14 and 15, he says, but their minds were made dull for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts amen amen and that is why yes holy spirit i'm understanding that is why people who claim to be in christ and still wants to hold on to any parts of the law especially the ten commandments well they have a veil okay the holy spirit is not in them Because if the Holy Spirit was in you, like how Paul is preaching this, okay, and you studying over there in the New Testament, you should be able to get it and receive it. It's something that's holding you back from receiving it. What is it? It must be this veil that Paul is talking about. Amen. So, the article goes on to say, many people today, Jewish or or not, do not seem to understand. They keep reading the Bible with old covenant eyes. I see that. Yep. The only solution is Christ. Only in him can the veil be removed. Amen. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And that's verse 16. Because, see, don't forget, when Jesus died on the cross, okay, the Bible says that the the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, it split in half. That means that the old way of doing things, because Christ Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So, what part of it is finished? Are you not receiving people? Glory be to God. Amen. And so, listen Jesus, He is the basis of our relationship with God. Amen. And so, Yeah, we coming to the close, people. We coming to the close, and I pray. I pray with everything in me that today's lesson is bringing much clarity to anyone who is either on the fence about the laws of Moses, including the Ten Commandments, or maybe just don't understand because of the inaccurate teachings or the lack of teaching that we're getting from the local church because if they would spend all of two minutes on some sound teaching and and sound gospel, okay, teachings that maybe people can get the revelation that we don't have to follow any of the laws of Moses, but they can't receive that because the wolf in sheep clothing is too busy trying to depart you from your money with one of the 613 laws of Moses, and that is tithing. Because if you think that you are tithing correctly in the 21st century, you are not. You're not because, again, you got to sacrifice some unblemished animals. They got to be a priest. They got to be a temple. And besides all of that, tithing was never about money. That's something man came up with. They came up with it because they are steep in evilness and in greed. All we got to do is study. 2 Peter Chapter two, that talks about the dangers of false teachers. Amen. And so look, Christ Jesus is the basis of our relationship, our restored Our reconciled, glory be to God through his sacrifice, relationship with God. So what does it mean to turn to the Lord? Like Paul mentioned up over there in verse 16, because he said, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So what did he mean by that? It means to see Jesus as the basis of our relationship with God. It means seeing our identity in him and not in the law of Moses. Christ becomes central. We obey his law, the law of Christ. Now look, 1 Corinthians, what is this? 1 Corinthians 9 21 says to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Amen. And so when we put him first in our identity, he will help us see the the covenantal change more clearly. Amen. Because look, I can't say it enough on the podcast that everything hinges on what Christ did for us. Listen, we were blind, but now we see. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We were so blind. We couldn't see. And so in order to have the scales removed from our eyes, we must be in Christ. Because at first, I couldn't understand it. As much as we try to explain to the brethren why we are not up under any of the laws of Moses, and they are not getting it, that they are fighting and kicking and screaming to hold on to them Ten Commandments. Okay? I couldn't understand if you read in the scriptures, why are you not understanding? not that I'm some Bible scholar. oh absolutely not. Now with this little pea brain is something to it when you sincerely repent and you come to Christ in humbleness and the Holy Spirit now, Like, for real now, okay? Because I don't know what I was doing before. But when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, I'm telling you, the light in your mind, it comes on when it comes to these scriptures. It's like crystal clarity. It's like, oh, That's what it means. And not what the fake pastor down at the apostate church was telling me because they love to cherry pick and twist the scriptures into a pretzel. I'm telling you, it's all about being in Christ. Amen. And so look, down in verse 17, right, of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it it says that, The Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Because we have freedom in Christ, but what kind of freedom? What kind of freedom? Okay. Because certainly we still obey, right? Because Paul makes that clear in Romans six, but in this context, of 2 Corinthians, right? What kind of freedom is he talking about? Well, it is the freedom from the ministry that brought death. Freedom from the old covenant. That's what it means. There is, again, there is a lot of continuity, but there is some important change as well. Getting back to that unfading glory. Not only do the covenants change from old and temporary to new and permanent, Christians themselves are changing, right? Because in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed Into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Amen. Look, Moses had only a fading glory, right? And his covenant had only a fading glory. It could give only temporary blessings. Talking about the old covenant. Talking about them 10 commandments, but we, with the eternal spirit living within us, are being changed into. A permanent glory, a glory that does not need to hide, a glory that looks to the heart instead of the stone tablet. Amen. And that is why today's lesson, people, is so crucial because we needed this backstory. We needed to hear the allegories between um a Hagar who was the slave who had the child, okay, born to the slave woman. And then we have Sarah, who bore the child of promise, right? And then we have Moses fading glory on his face when he came down from Mount Sinai uh, carrying the Ten Commandments on those stone tablets, Versus what Christ did for us at the cross and that how in Christ we now receive the Holy Spirit, which is way much more glorious than the Ten Commandments and no stones, which is much more everlasting than the temporary of the old covenant. We have to listen, we just have to sit down and be taught by the Holy Spirit amen and so look christians christian use of the ten commandments and this is the close okay what then are christians supposed to do with the ten commandments because that's the question on the floor right can we approach it as scripture inspired by god okay where it says, right, because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it talks about all the scripture, right? The the Old Testament scriptures as well as the New Testament scriptures, right? Because it says that, talking about scripture, that it is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Amen. And so, yes, we should approach it exactly as it is written, as a report of what God gave his people in the time of Moses. We read it as a story first before jumping to conclusions that we are supposed to obey every command within it. Amen. Right, Holy Spirit, because. I don't know. I think what is going on is that because this, the scriptures are there, like it said, that is useful for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. And so, people, myself included, we latched onto the Old Testament because we thought that we had to keep that as well. Because where is the teaching of sound doctrine? And that's the problem because, you know, as babes in Christ, we know nothing about the Bible. We go to church because we think that's what we're supposed to do to find out what God has to say about his word. But then who's heading up the church? (laughs) We got a sinful man. Uh, Let me, let me, let me bring it down we have a man that's heading of the church who was not clearly sent by jesus to be in that position twisting these scriptures not teaching the full counsel of god so of course what else it is to be expected but confusion about do we follow the old testament Or do we just follow the New Testament? Do we even read the Old Testament? Because if we don't have to follow it, then what's the point of reading it? But then we see this scripture over here in 2 Timothy that all of scripture is useful for teaching. So what do we do? What do we do? Okay, well, let the article continue. When we read in Genesis 17 that the males among God's people were to be circumcised, we do not assume that we should do so today. When we read in Exodus 13 that God's people are to redeem their firstborn children and have a festival of unleavened bread, we do not assume that we should do so today those commands were given for a specific people so also the commands we find in exodus 20 talking about those 10 commandments listen the 10 commandments begin with this preface preface i am the lord your god who brought you who brought you out of the land of egypt Out of the house of slavery. Amen. So this gives a historical context to this situation. It was a multitude of just escaped slaves in a desert. Surrounded by nations who worshipped more than one God. Right? They had multiple gods. God gave them laws that would compensate for their lack of civic experience, laws that would help them resist, you know, worshiping multiple gods, right? Laws that would help them become a distinct nation. Laws that would help them structure society in a new land. These laws were good for their situation. Let me say it again. These laws were good for their situation, but some of them are not needed today. Amen. So much of the Old Testament is a story. Nevertheless, 2 Timothy 3 can say that this type of writing, since it is part of scripture, is useful for teaching, is for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Because for me, okay, I found out in the Old Testament that God ain't playing when it comes to sin. And when you hear me say that, on the podcast, well, that's what I'm referring to, because if you let the quote-unquote New Testament wolf in sheep clothing preach on God, all you're going to hear about is that God is love, 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 and that at the end of the day, don't worry about your sins, because you're going to heaven anyway. Oh, absolutely not, and so I'm over there in Jeremiah, what, um Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, all those kings, okay. And I'm reading. Hold on, wait a minute. God don't like us cheating on him with these false gods. He hates idolatry. He hates sin. And if you don't stop it, that he's going to see, send sin the terror of the north king, king Nebuchadnezzar to give y'all the business. And so I saw over there, God ain't playing. Okay, so, yeah, for me, the Old Testament, it keeps me in line to let me never forget. Yes, God is love, but he ain't playing. Amen. And so getting back to the article, it says that stories can help. Okay, stories can help inform our ethics. They can illustrate, like I was just saying, consequences, misunderstandings, weaknesses, and flexibilities. Because the story of Abraham and circumcision is useful for teaching and for training in righteousness without requiring us to practice circumcision. The commands about sacrifice are to be read as part of a story, not as commands for us today. The details may be useful symbolically, okay, but they are read first in the context of a story and not as currently valid law. Amen. And so let me just scroll on down here. Okay. Now look, hold on. Okay, so the commands that God gave them are instructive, but not necessarily imperative for us. They are informative, but not normative. They are descriptive for ancient Israel, but not prescriptive for Christians. That means that it's not prescribed for us to have to follow them. Amen. Yes, we we read them. We see, like I said, God ain't playing. We see about creation. We see how God, you know, led them out of Egypt into the wilderness. We, we see how they lacked faith. Right. Um, We saw how they had many gods and no matter how many times that God has delivered them, they would repent for a little while. And then that whole cycle of sin, beg for forgiveness, they got forgiven and then they right back over there again in sin. So, yeah, we see what we should not do. Amen. But it is not for us. To do, it is not prescribed, glory be to God, for us to do. Amen. And so, look, moreover, okay, Christians have a better standard of behavior in the New Testament, a bigger body of literature. Talking about the scriptures with better balance. We have the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. We shall point people to Christ, not to Moses for instruction on how to live as a Christian. Amen. So. Amen. So there we go, people. I think that that was well informed, if you ask me, because that just brought a lot of things to my understanding as well, because I love studying and teaching on whether or not we ought to keep the law of Moses. I find it very interesting. I find it very interesting, and I find it very informative that in some way that the Holy Spirit can use me to be a voice, um, to let people know what the word of God says. And I'm just a vessel. Listen, I'm still learning. Look, we all are learning this. But glory be to God, we got to repent. We We must be in repentance. We cannot be in sin and think that we can hear from God and that we can have discernment about his word. Because let me tell you, my hand is raised up high that when I was in sin, calling myself a Christian, I fell in line with the false doctrines. You want to know why? Because I was not in here studying this word to show myself approved. Why? I'm too busy in sin. Glory be to God. And when you are in sin, you are not. I'm telling you. And if you say that you could be in sin and still follow God's word, then I have to challenge your validity and what you are saying. Do I want to call you a liar to your face? No, because I'm walking in love amen so with that being said i pray that this brought some clarity to us all and lord willing i should speak to you all soon stop sin and repent okay we don't have to follow the 613 laws of moses christ jesus has delivered us from the penalty of not being able to keep the law. And guess what? It wasn't meant for us in the first place. We ain't got no business dealing in the old covenant, a.k.a. Old Testament, a.k.a. Ten Commandments. Amen? Amen. Until next time, Lord willing, I'll speak to you all soon. Bye for now.